AFLW player with the GWS Giants has said they won't be wearing a Pride jersey. This weekend, uh, the sport takes time at a Pride round to celebrate the LGBT plus community. Well, this AFLW player has said that she's not going to wear it because of her religious beliefs. The Oscars thought it would be a good time to announce a new set of requirements for Best Picture nominees that are based on fulfilling diversity quotas. Getting super liberals to be more liberal is not exactly the heavy lifting in the fight against racism. There is something delicious about aging rocker Neil Young trying to cancel Joe Rogan but ending up cancelling himself. Neil Young gave Spotify an ultimatum. They can have Rogan or Young, not both. Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast, the podcast you deserve. My name is Jonathan Astro. With me, as always, is the spectacular Ricky Allpark. How are you, Ricky? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very good. Yeah, you've recovered from that Australia Day extravaganza. <laughs> I have. It's um, yeah, it's punishing, you know, uh, this interest introspection. But don't worry, <laughs> we're going to get global again. We are. Uh, would it surprise you uh, that people are trying to cancel Joe Rogan? Um, yeah, yes and no. Uh, what's going on? Well, Joe Rogan has come under fire in the last few days uh, for two recent interviews he's conducted, uh, one with a, a very prominent cardiologist and another with a guy who basically invented the mRNA vaccine technology, both two eminently qualified uh, doctors, and they have a, a, a contrary opinion to vaccines and all of that to do with COVID. So the songwriter Neil Young, who's about a million years old, has has come out and given Spotify an ultimatum. He said, uh, he said basically he's standing up to the misinformation and he wants Spotify to stop airing Rogan's show or take his music down. He said they can have Rogan or Young, not both. And so um, after that, Joni Mitchell has come out and done the same thing, said, take my music, you know, it's either me or Joe. Uh, then, bizarrely, uh, Princess Harry and Prince Megan have come out in support of deplatforming Rogan as well. You know who hasn't? Eric Clapton. No, Clapton has not. <laughs> um, this is so bizarre because, okay, first of all, first of all, Rogan gets more downloads, more listens in a day then Joni Mitchell and Neil Young get in a month. That's huge, you know, because 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 Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, yeah, you know, they're, they're older artists, but but they're still, you know, they've done some stuff musically, you know, they're popular, even if the younger generation don't know who the hell we're talking about. Well, they're they are. Well, we can we can afford them legendary status, can't we? I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure they're in the some sort of rock and roll hall of fame or something. But Joni Mitchell, like her album. Blue is is fucking top of the waza. Well, yeah, incredible album. Yeah, it's no doubting that they're they're amazing artists, you know. And Rogan's come out with a statement, and he said that he would try harder to get people with differing opinions on his show, and he would uh, do my best to make sure I have researched these topics, the controversial ones in particular, and have all the pertinent facts at hand before I discuss them. Um, so what I find really interesting is, you know, Neil Young, you know, he's sort of like an aging hippie, hippie generation, same thing with Joni Mitchell, and they're they're siding up with the man, basically. They used to rail against the man in the 60s, but now they're totally in lockstep with the man. They're, they're totally down for tech censorship 
and and taking Joe Rogan off the airwaves. And let's be honest, like Joe Rogan, he's not an intellectual. He's he's a lovable meathead. Um, you know, he, so, we're, he's, so we're never guesting on his show now. Great. <laughs> I say that affectionately, you know, because he, because the thing I love about Joe Rogan is he's just open to talking to people, you know, and that's, I think, why he became such an amazing success uh, globally, because uh, in an era when, uh, when discussion is getting smaller and smaller and smaller on mainstream and, and legacy TV, where you might have a topic discussed for a couple of minutes with two guests, he will, uh, he will just go... For as long as it takes, you know, he's there all, he's got the show, he's got the studio at his home all day. You know, some of these podcasts go for three hours, you know, they cover a lot of ground. And, you know, what, what's interesting is, is before COVID, the argument for deplatforming someone was saying that they were using hate speech, you know, like, oh, they're transphobic, they're homophobic, they're racist, blah, blah, blah. So, but after COVID, we still so have that podcast, hate speech. Basically. This podcast, basically, yes. So that's the argument. But now, and we'll get this too, after COVID, we, we still have that hate speech cry, but we also have misinformation. Oh, yeah. And that's just another form of basically saying, I don't like this person and I, w I want them to go away. You know, I think Rogan, I mean, they just, they hate that he's really successful. They hate that he's done it without any, you know, without any gate. He hasn't had to go through any gatekeepers or or anything like that. He's just kind of done it himself, and he's built this amazing thing. Like his his uh, his deal with Spotify is a hundred million dollars. You know, mm. that's that's fucking huge. You know, and I think, you know, he, he's discussing a lot of COVID stuff. You know, obviously that's that's very, uh, you know, it's a huge thing that's happened to the world, and there's a lot to talk about. But I, I feel like the distance between conspiracy theory and fact is about six months. Mm. You know, like you were banned for saying the virus came from a lab and, and now that's the preferred theory. Uh, you were banned for saying that the vaccine doesn't stop you getting or spreading the virus and now we know that it's true. It, it, it doesn't stop you from spreading it or getting it. Um, you were banned for being sceptical about the effectiveness, effectiveness of wearing a mask. And now the CDC even says that cloth masks do nothing to stop the spread. So it's, it's just so bizarre. Like we should be able to talk about these things because that's how science kind of works, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I don't know what to make of this, this, this thing. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, sort of flashpoint between uh, legacy artists and someone who's very much of the now. Like Joe Rogan is the mainstream now and – yeah, as you say, there's there's some sort of interesting shift with some of these figures. You know, these people who represented one thing uh, now are start, uh, now that they're they're well, quite uh, venerable and, and and old are representing something else entirely. I mean, could could it be as simple as these two old people are frightened that some young muscly buck is going to cough in their face and kill them? But <laughs> possibly, like, aren't they? Like, you know, doesn't does, would it mean more if they, if they were young? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, if they, if they if it was Justin Bieber and he was like, you know, I'm really worried about, you know, well, probably God stuff mainly first, and then secondly, it'd be like, I'm really worried about, you know, people catching COVID and the rest of you go, oh shit, the Biebs is worried. Yeah, maybe. but 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 I know of people who are who are not that much older than Justin Bieber, you know, people in their thirties, late thirties that are scared like that. Okay. All right. So it's not, I'm, I'm sort of, 
uh, projecting a little bit there. But but the other thing is the other thing is Neil Young hasn't heard these interviews. Now that's what I was going to say. Do you think they've actually seen the episodes? No, no. Neil Young's come out and says he hasn't seen them. Well, he hasn't heard them. But 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 that is indefensible. <laughs> that's fucking indefensible. Like, like I know. Like, but it it like if you. You need to engage with it, like just just to so you know um, how to like what you're actually fucking talking about. That's right, yeah. Like, I mean, this is this is argumentation one on one hundred and one. Like, mm. I mean, what would he say if someone said, "You know what, Neil, your last album was a load of cock and balls," and he'd go, "Oh, oh come on now, come on now," and he'd go, "Did you listen?" I said, "Not really." Just, yeah, not really. I just got a sense. Saw the saw the saw your dumb face on the album, and I was like, "What a stupid old face you have, um, <laughs> you silly old prick!" <laughs> I bet you've got dumb. I bet you've got dumb music as well. So he'd say, oh, "Come on, come on, you got you got to listen to it," and you go, "Oh, you're right. Maybe I will." So I mean, that, I, I, I'm a busy man, Neil. I've got other things to do. That's right. No, what what an what an idiot! Like if you haven't if you haven't listened to it, you can just fuck off. But if he if they genuinely listen to it and they're like, "Look, I, I dispute everything Robert Malone has said or whatever," you go, oh, "Okay, fair enough." Yeah. Like, no, but but first of all, I think I think this has done Neil Young no favors. I reckon he looks like an absolute dick. But also, I think this has been a huge gift for Rogan. You know, the publicity is huge. Everyone is going to tune in now. Put it this way: case in point, Katie wasn't listening. Uh, she's listened a bunch this week because of this, and she, it's changed her mind. She watched the apology. She did the whole bit. And she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm on Joe's side." Yeah, yeah. Immediately. Yeah, that's right. She didn't. She didn't go out um, and and you know download uh, Neil's uh, uh, music off Amazon <laughs> Music or wherever the fuck you've got to get it now. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. A stupid stand as well. Like, I mean, ah, I'm gonna take it off one of the ten stream music platforms. Yeah. So fuck you. Well, there's actually it 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 has got a lot of other artists, and I uh, I just read it on an article. I don't really have a list of them, but I did see a screenshot of someone's uh, someone's Spotify profile. So an artist they've started putting um, delete delete Spotify um, on their on their banner. I'm like oh yeah. I'm like if if you were sort of like a mid level artist who. Uh, you know, to the public's eye, it looks like you're making a lot of money, but you're probably not. Um, would you really want to like get people not to listen to your stuff? Like, you know, I mean, I mean, the revenue from streaming is so small anyway. What goes to artists, you know? And then you're telling everybody to delete no, it. Like, you've got you've got to save the. See what these people don't get is is that like you know it's only cool when Bob Dylan or someone says yeah fuck the establishment or, or Kurt Cobain or something like he's a, he's on stage. Have you noticed that these mo- moments of protest where they say like fuck MTV or whatever? They've already got like multiple gold albums and they're standing in front of billions of people. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Like these 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 artists are like you know what I'm going to skip that part. I figure I'm going to skip right to, right to the protest. That's the bit people really yeah, like. Yeah. We just put up with smells like Teen Spirit and then we go yeah come on when are you going to get up and say fuck the establishment that's what i really want <laughs> yeah and actually uh, having said that this is wouldn't you wouldn't you call Joni and neil's comments more establishment than not oh yes for like sure. i don't think they're mainstream i think mainstream is joe, joe rogan like mainstream uh, uh average person's um point of view yep. mostly uh if you just aggregate everything mm. i think that uh, neil young and Joni are probably now 
complete out of touch elites who who yep. watch CNN and think that that's real life. That's right. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to take a lot of high profile artists to leave Spotify for them to even think about canceling Joe. And if they do cancel him, like I think it's only going to make Joe stronger because he's just going to start his own media fucking empire. Like they'll have to pay out his contract, I'm sure. But we know how this works. Like it's it's they, these companies are amoral, really. Everything else is just this wokeocracy stuff they they yeah. engage into. It's just to, a veneer. It is just a veneer. veneer. Um, and so the the amount of because we've seen how they cave, so there just needs to be a hundred million, no, whatever, however much more than that. There needs to be they need to be in the hole much more than that mm. before they'll do anything. Yeah. Uh, and if they're not, like in terms of status points and whatever, then they'll push on, which is I think how it should be. Like I mean. You know, I don't want these companies to engage in politics. I don't want them to. I want them to be uh, old-fashioned capitalist companies. Yeah, sell, yeah. Sell, focusing sell. on on making their product really good. Yeah, focusing on making the product really good and uh, focusing on what they're really about anyway, which is making money. So, you know, I don't see all this other crap that they say they're into is um, uh, not. Not fair dinkum. <laughs> well, I, to be honest, I haven't heard that that much sort of uh, woke, woke bullshit coming from Spotify. They had all those meetings, though. They had all those meetings with those. But they didn't – I don't know if they did much. They, like, just was that like, about hey, Joe? Uh, yes. So it was um, – they they ended – they have got him to censor or remove a bunch of episodes. Right. I'm fairly certain all the, all the Alex Jones episodes didn't make it across. There'd be a number of others. Yep. So he has – uh, made a Faustian pact with them, and this apology. No, of but his, when when he first signed the contract, though, he said nothing will be censored. Well, that's not true. There has been stuff. So, no, not not scores of stuff, but absolutely in the fine print. There's. But why isn't Alex Jones? Why isn't his? Why aren't his episodes on there? Mm. I mean, because that guy's been like, as a few people have, deleted from existence. Yep, I'm sure Milo's probably cancelled too. Oh yeah. Well, that's Joe Rogan. Uh, no doubt you'll be hearing from him for many years to come. And not Joni Mitchell. And not Joni Mitchell, no. Or Neil Young. Or Neil Young. Yeah. Looks like Neil looks like he's on death's door. So he doesn't have he doesn't have much time. No. Well, uh, I've got an interesting story next. I have to give people a little bit of context only because I'm pretty sure you won't care about the sport. Um, so uh, Australian Rules Football has an offshoot, the AFLW, which is the uh, Women's League, which started a, a few years ago. Uh, and you know, it's it. I think it runs at a loss. I'm pretty sure, but they're pushing it hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I believe you know, the WNBA runs at a loss too. Yeah, look, you know, and 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 uh, I, I love footy and I love AFL. So and and actually, I went to the first the first game, uh, one of the first games, anyway. Um, and it was exciting right up until they started playing because then I was like, oh no, there's yeah, years away from being elite. You know what I mean? So, but anyway, they've gotten much better. This story is from uh, uh, the week, basically. They, so you know, every it, almost every round in 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 the sport now is sort of themed, you know, with a social issue. Now, uh, famously, obviously, they do Indigenous round, which is a big celebration, and they do you know all sorts of rounds uh, about diseases and whatnot. Uh, they've got a Pride round, which they've started doing in I think in both leagues now, the men's and the women's. Uh, why we need a pride round in the AFLW, I'm not quite sure. Can, why do you think that might be a bit of an issue? Um, I believe 
I'd, I'd have to say 98% of the players are lesbian. Am I right there? <laughs> it's high. It's big. So, like, it is it is significant. And um, so having a pride round in the, in the women's league is um, arguably a little moot. As but why say. is that? Because in, in other codes, like let's take netball or basketball, for instance, like I'm sure there are a few lesbians in there, but, but I wouldn't say like close to 100%. Is this weird? Well, look, I don't know. What the, the lesbians just is. love full contact sport. I don't know. Look, I, I I could make some generalizations about it, but you know, yeah, I I just don't know. I, I look, I, all I know is that the number's high. It might have something to do with with you know the rough and tumble and and whatever. But I think the, I think we need to get girl. Well, now you're getting into my 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 portfolio. <laughs> no, no, but I think we should get Dr. Deborah So to talk about it or okay. something. I think I think she would know a little bit more about that. However, this story particularly, one of the players who plays for the GW, GWS Giants, a Sydney team, uh, has refused to play Pride Round. She is uh, this this player. Uh, her name is, oops, sorry, one second, Hanin Zarika. Okay, yes, 22-year-old, oh, here it is, 22-year-old uh, uh, Muslim player for GWS. Uh, she's the first Muslim woman to play the game. And uh, basically she said on her Insta page, uh, she made a statement. She said, as the first Australian Muslim woman in the AFLW, I have a responsibility to represent my faith and my community. I respect people regardless of their sexual orientation, close quote, Zarika wrote, quote, this decision was extremely difficult and I appreciate the support of AFL, Giants, my teammates. Inclusion is about creating a space where people are able to respect their right to choose how they live their life as long as they don't advocate hate and division. Mm. Okay, that's the end of her quote. I'm I'm not quite sure she understands the the new uh, uh, meaning of inclusion there. I think she's sort of made up her own one, which is nice. Mm. I like her one actually, but I don't think that's the one that uh, most people go by. So the AFL itself has a statement about this. They said, "quote We believe in the power of our game to bring people together. It is a critical part of the fabric and values that make our game great, and why we have introduced important initiatives such as AFLW Pride Round to celebrate inclusion." Uh, we also recognise that sometimes there will be challenges between our stance as a code and people's own beliefs, and we respect the way the club and playing group have worked together to understand and support each other. Oh, my God. What a sickening, <laughs> sickening statement. Like, just the most um, pathetic and inhuman, boring take on it, you know, but I, but an obvious. So... There's a there's a couple of other things. Maybe just to, before I get your ideas, I want to I'm going to go into a Guardian response um, a bit later. But here's two two responses that I thought were quite nice. So uh, two other teams weighed in, you know, or were brought into it. Basically, West Coast their team said they were criticised for being the only AFLW team not to wear a pride jumper. West Coast General Manager of Community and Game Development Richard O'Connell said. The club was conscious of not rushing the process of, for designing a pride jumper and was focusing this season on releasing its AFLW Indigenous jumper. So what do you think of that move? I don't know. It's um, Jiu-Jitsu. Well, yeah, it's like... Uh, <laughs> well, it's woke, woke it's, jitsu. It's, it is. It's like, a, it's like a Chinese finger trap or something. It's well, like, you know, but, but, but doesn't Indigenous trump... Yeah, well uh, played. That's what I'm saying. Well played. Yeah. Well yeah. played. So it's so in the in the in the world of work jitsu, you just go <laughs> say, yeah. Um, 
like the pro like we did firstly we didn't want to rush that is the process for designing a product like who cares you yeah. I'll, I'll take a guess your pride jumper is going to be uh your fucking jersey whatever it is and the rainbow flag like just on it somewhere right well yeah pretty much you didn't want to rush that fucking yeah. hell it's not the sistine chapel you morons <laughs> yeah. and and next up like yeah i mean this is the the brilliance is saying and we're actually focusing on um, our indigenous jumper. So there you go. And who? What are you going to say if you were uh, the the corporate entity uh, listening to this? What are you going to say? Oh, um, uh, uh, you know, that's oh, just you know, maybe you should be focusing on the pride stuff. They say, oh, what about the indigenous? And you say, oh, like you know, game over. Well, well, you could argue that uh, they should be professional enough to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Can't they design both? Uh, yes. Well, uh, they should be able to do it at the same time, uh, and you—that's that, actually a correct uh, uh, sort of woke response. That's what you meant to say, and I don't know what how, what you, how you come back from that. So, <laughs> uh, the next comment you're going to love this one. So, um, the club's AFLW coach Michael Pryor then came under fire. This is West Coast uh, coach for refusing to comment on the issue, saying, "I talk about footy, not what we're wearing. I think we've done the pride stuff to death, to be honest." That's great. I, I love that. Love that comment. He later apologized to anyone who was offended by the report. <laughs> I mean, is it, could, you have written, could you have written that bit? Could you have guessed that bit? Or? At, at the end, yes, 100%. Did, did, he, did he write all of that in one tweet, in, including the apology? Uh, well, this was, I think he actually, I think he did the first bit at a, at a press conference right, or something. Right. So I actually think that, um, I think that, do you think that 90% of, the country would agree with what he said. I think so. Yeah. Like, but this is one of those strange things. He has articulated something that almost everyone would agree with. He's like, "Fucking hell!" Like, yeah, I'm, I'm down with pride. Of course, I am. I, I, I coach like almost exclusively gay women. I own. So I hang out with gay women more than I hang out with my wife. So I don't have a problem with gays. Uh, I talk about footy because I'm the fucking coach, not what we're wearing. I think we've done the pride stuff to death, to be honest. That's the best bit. Yes, we have. We have, yeah. Yes, we have. Australia has uh, voted on this, voted for uh, equality, marriage equality for uh, 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 LGBT community, okay? Mm -hmm. Sure, a few things we could tweak, but by and large, the community's behind yeah, it. We're all on done. board. What the fuck are we doing this yeah, for? Yeah. Well, I've, I've often thought, why do we why do we need the rainbow flag anymore, and and why do we need the pride march anymore? Well, you you know? would say that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Well, I would, but but a lot of gay people say it too. You know, I mean, yes. you, you know some you know some gay dudes who aren't down with the rainbow flag. I know? do. Yeah, they're not into it, and it doesn't represent them. And it's it's a it's a very for as for an inclusive flag, it doesn't include everyone because. Uh, you know, someone who doesn't identify with it uh, is not included. <laughs> so, so anyway, the point of this story is ultimately about a, a, a Muslim, the first Australian Muslim player who refused to play the Pride round, sat the, the round out, and uh, there was a little bit of umming and ahhing about it. But by and large, she's managed to uh, escape, you know, what I would have thought would have been uh, obvious uh punishment for this so uh, there was a rugby player so so two two sports people come to mind we don't have a lot of people who've done this sort of thing in the last few years but a very old player margaret court tennis player uh she has made some fiery well comments religious based about um lgbt people she's basically said i'm not down with it because she's highly religious right mm -hmm. 
so she was she, you know she's had uh whatever was named after her unnamed and things taken away from her and the rest of it another player rugby player israel flau he made uh, a comment online completely uncontroversial for his faith about you know i don't know like gays going to hell or something like that uh which is you know i don't agree with it i I believe the uh the exact tweet was hell awaits gay people yeah i'm not into it and uh that's not that's not what i'm i believe but he said that, and he was pretty much drummed out of the game. So, well, he was totally cancelled. He was at the at the at the pinnacle of his career, right? Yes, like he was an huge. outstanding rugby player, massive, and and he got fired. No one, no no other club would take him on, and he's 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 gone through court battles. I'm not quite sure where where that's all at, uh, and it has created a bit of a stir in terms of religious freedom and freedom of expression and that sort of stuff. Um, I think it's interesting because he, he's a moneymaker, you know, he's a star of the game. And, and I mean, we talk, we talk about Joe Rogan being uncancelable because he's such a big star. Like, I mean, this guy was a big star and he Mm. got cancelled. So a couple of things, maybe just jump in here. I've got some, just some thoughts on this. So firstly, look, to be honest, I actually love and respect religion. You know what I mean? Like Islam's uh, a fascinating tradition and, and their customs, the traditions and customs make a lot of people very happy. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, uh, I really love the discipline and, and you know, uh, you, you meet, uh, uh, you know, certain kinds of uh, Muslim people uh, practicing Muslims and they are so principled and, uh, <laughs> uh, fucking reliable and uh, and and dedicated and you know centered and I love all of that. So let's get that out of the way first. You know what I mean? I obviously you know because I don't want to spend all my time to, to focusing on extreme Islam, which of course I fucking am not into. But we can spend a whole show on that. So secondly, I think it's the hypocrisy. We've just talked about that. So Philau and Margaret Court may have had stronger words, but. The essential isn't the essential point the same that Islam has a problem with gays, generally speaking. And now, before everyone you know jumps up and down about that, it wasn't there a Pew poll that came out a few years back that delivered um, like you know fairly what well, well for the time being fairly definitive results on this on, on the attitudes of of, of uh, Muslim populations uh, about homosexuality. Mm, yeah, it was in the eighty percentile or something like of people that they weren't into it. Yeah, it's big. They didn't. They didn't support it. They're not about it. And you know, pro, you know, it's going as far as to say in some communities um, that they want to go further than that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They want to criminalize it. Yeah, for sure. And like, so let's take it to its to its extreme. There are obviously places in the in the world, you know. And, and now, is it, am, I, am I correct in assuming that Iran, uh, it's a criminal offense there in Iran, and that you can be punished by death? You can, yes. Okay, all right. So, you know, that might be an extreme example or it might not be. I'll leave, just leave that there. So anyway, this is, uh, so the essential point, they, like her sitting out, like they've said that basically, so largely her comment, the, the, the idea that this, that this girl is not, um, not about the gays is uncontroversial. Mm, yeah. You know, to, to say that a practicing Muslim uh, is socially conservative is completely uncontroversial. That is what, you know, I'm sure that, uh, the whatever whatever Netflix show you watched last week about some you know I don't know liberal uh, Democrat voting lesbian Muslim girl does not represent most of the population. Is that fair to say? Yes. 
Okay, great. So uh, the media and the corporate types who've engaged in all this theatre have proven that they don't have the ticket for this. So the, the responses to it have been quite staggering, really. So um, because I figured that if these people believed, if, if the, the AFL and all that believed what they say and, and all the time, then they should fire her immediately and brand her as a bigot uh, as you would anyone else. Like, I mean... I mean, so, but but if you believe in intersectionality and racial hierarchy or caste system, it is kind of a new caste system, I guess, in a way. Then, don't you think they should just say so? I think maybe that's that's the problem I have since the beginning of this whole thing, this whole madness on the left, is that they they never just say they rarely say it in the in a succinct way. Like the AFL should come out and say, "Well, we but we are fully behind intersectionality." Like that is that's one of our driving uh, philosophies when it comes to to minorities or, or whatever basically we believe that some people are more important than others and we believe furthermore that present discrimination is uh the only answer to past discrimination like well, why can't they just say like if you're proud of it why be coy i don't i don't get it you know i i don't know i, I just think that will that will sound ludicrous to to the general population but know? so but 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 they but their actions uh align with that sentiment of course yeah so so they are they they are fully bought into that um to that uh ideology of intersectionality but but they're not they're not talking about it uh you know it's just all behind this veneer of uh yeah of inclusion and you know accepting differences and you know, love and support and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's like you say, um, you've got to exclude people in order to give uh, some of these uh, other minority groups kind of a leg up in a way, you know. Because wouldn't you think that since Australia has voted for the rights of LGBT people, uh, as I did myself, uh, therefore, this what this, this uh, player has done is not representative of our community values. And uh, that we should probably challenge those who seek to push an agenda of discrimination. Uh, and, uh, and so even if it's a, a, quote, proud Muslim woman, which I've seen written in, in uh, articles about this, which is possibly the most condescending term I've ever heard um, mm. in these, these, these uh, stories, um, because have you ever heard anyone say he's a proud Catholic man <laughs> or, a pr- <laughs> yeah. or a proud Buddhist man? Yeah, yeah. Like pr- basically, whenever you put proud before something, the person who's saying it is sort of there's a there's a there's a um, superiority in the person who's saying it. Mm. You know what I mean? But yeah. but but I think to sum it up, I, I have to read you. I have to read you this article. Okay, is it is it the Guardian article? It, it is absolutely oh, delicious. So okay, so this is from the Guardian. Um, stop at any point that you want to you want to you want to interject here. Basically, this is the headline: AFLW Pride Round Jumper Debate Proves Litmus Test for True Inclusion and Diversity by Rana Hassan. Hussain? Rana Hassan. Oh no, I'm cancelled. Uh, <laughs> inclusion. Here's the byline: Inclusion is respect, not always agreement. The complex Hanin Zurika situation uh, appears to have been handled with this in mind. <laughs> okay, so it was all is a design, yeah, a yeah. design to it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. all right, nice. Okay, here we go. GWS player Hanin Zurika's decision not to wear the club's pride ra- pride round jumper and therefore not play in round four of the AFLW has brought rise to to much debate around the concept of quote inclusion close quote. 
For a long time, sport and AFLW specifically has elevated conversations about inclusion and diversity. But what does that really mean? Embracing, quote, diversity necessitates the uh, coexistence of different experiences, beliefs, practices, and cultures. The concept of inclusion is often described as the, as the ways in which we make our diversity work together. To me, inclusion is respect, not always agreement, but a functional respect for one another. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> what, don't you think it, it comes across as so fucking condescending? It does. And to, oh my uh, God. I, feel, I feel like saying, sorry, are you writing in The Guardian? This, are you writing this hateful rag, The Guardian? Uh, anyway. <laughs> But by all accounts, uh, that is what GWS has achieved. And, and this moment has provided the perfect litmus, te litmus test. Had the team not cultivated an environment of inclusivity, understanding and respect, Zarika would not have been able to, to have this very complex conversation with her teammates. Her teammates would not have accepted her difference. They would not have come to a resolution that perhaps difficult on all sides was largely workable for the collective. Hang on, but, but have they accepted it? That's well, the thing. I reckon so. because there's so many lesbians in this in this league, I reckon there'd be a lot of them in there going, you know, they've they've circled GWS on the calendar. You know, next time they play her, they're going to go hard, I reckon. Well, they should. Like, I mean, this is this is bigotry by any other name. A player chose not to play, not because, um, I don't know, she's so pious in that. She chose not to play because she... Uh, fundamentally does not believe in in your right to happiness on this earth you're uncontrolled you're largely uncontrolled hap, uh, right to happiness to do what you want to do she does she does she doesn't like that okay so uh, in a fervent way that she's too frightened to talk about so uh, uh, either that or the yeah well anyway there's some other issues the long term here we keep going the long term effects will tell us how deep their culture of respect and inclusion goes but so far the signs are good what a fucking puff face this is <laughs> it's just she does, 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 does this chick work for GWS <laughs> yeah okay no doubt there are G LGBTQ plus identifying staff and players who would have found Zarika's refusal to wear the pride jumper hurtful but they accepted her choice not to Really? Do you speak for them? Do you yeah, know exactly. these people? Yeah, yeah. What a fucking liar. <laughs> okay. The public's reaction, however, has been varied. Some have likened Zrika to Israel Folau and Margaret Court. Zrika's own words tell us they are vastly different. In a statement released late on Friday afternoon, Zrika called for kindness, saying inclusion was about respecting people's choices as long as they don't advocate for hate and division. By contrast, Falau and Court have publicly and purposely spoken out against LGBTQ plus people. In 2019, Falau posted on his social media claiming hell awaits gay people and has likened the Australian bushfires of 2019 with the legislation of same-sex marriage and abortion. Mm, that's a mad shit. Uh, <laughs> that is a mad shit. But hang on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but listen, her, her not wearing the Pride Round uniform is a sign of allegiance to her, her religion. You know, sure. So, and 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 a, a an endorsement of uh of the of the doctrine and the teachings within the tenets. yeah yeah within that religion. So absolutely, you know, she may not have said hell awaits gay people, but she may as well have. You know, well, but you know, this is the you know this this is the old uh, violence of decision, isn't it? You know, we just we talk about that in creativity that uh, a decision to do something on the stage is is violent because you know, you have killed all other choices, you know, and, and so the, it's, it's trying to bring that honesty up in the decision-making process to the, to the surface. And this is the violence of decision. She may not have 
you, you know, sp- spoken the words, but her actions are the same. Like, you know, uh, and, and I, I don't see, uh, you know, how she can dodge this. So similarly, Margaret Court has spoken out publicly in her role as Pentecostal minister opposing same-sex marriage and condemning transgender athletes. In 2013, Court wrote a letter to a newspaper taking aim at the birth of Australian tennis player Casey Delacroix's child in a same-sex relationship. Do we not? Do we not need to also mention that Margaret Court's a million years old? Or I mean, this bitch she, is she's very old. Yeah, Zurich is twenty-two. Mm, yeah, she's, she's she's like full Australian. Yep, twenty. Been here a whole life. Like twenty-two years old. So mm. you know, whatever she's doing, like Margaret Court. I, I'm not. I don't try. Try and not give. You know, you don't want to just let old balls people like off the hook entirely. But to you know, to put uh, the comments of of an old woman uh, on on the same level as a twenty-two-year-old who's got uh, sixty years plus left, you know, to spread yeah. her her own uh, self-styled bigotry. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, and and she's in for a shock if she thinks that like what she can like wait out this pride stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what happens next season? Yeah, fucking hell. I, you know, that we are a couple of seasons away from like the strap-ons coming out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something's something's <laughs> happening. Something big is happening. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> the cheerleaders should all be like, just, you know, just oh, pegging each other. No, well now you just now you're just making it. Now you're just making it sexy. <laughs> okay. Right. It's not allowed. So anyway, Zurika's actions were to opt out of an active uh, performative ally. Show. No, no, I've got to slow down here. Sorry. Zurika's actions were to opt out of an active performative allyship out of respect for her faith, her community, and the diverse views amongst them. There's no diversity of, of views there. What the fuck are they talking about? Like, if I, if I went, if, if you go down to a thriving Muslim community, which uh, is just a normal community. Like I'm not, I'm not exoticizing it. Yeah. But and you just did some vox pops. Mm. Actually, on this particular issue, I don't think there would be a lot of diversity. No. Well, are they are they talking about the diversity within uh, Muslim culture, or is she talking about the diversity between? Uh... Her, no, it says her community and the diverse views amongst them. Oh. Okay. Well, that's a big claim. I think she should that is a big like, claim. That, like that doesn't look and I know I've been I have been very flip about this whole thing, but you know, if you want the data, go to that Pew uh research poll. Like this claim that her community has diverse views about about homosexuality is not backed up by the data we have right now. So, you know, unless she's working up a different data set, which I'm I'm not aware of. So uh, perhaps GWS and Zurika's uh, one misstep was to underestimate the public response to what they presumably thought would be a quiet process of stepping aside with any hope of avoiding distraction from the celebrations gone. Fucking hell, this chick is living in la-la land. Mm. Um, there is a temptation to reduce this incident to a simplistic narrative of religious extremism versus liberal left top, left politics. Maybe she should have put that at the top. Uh, <laughs> yes. Maybe that's what it is about. And, I think it is what it's about. And maybe you've tried to make it weirdly uh, in, in a very uh, collegiate uh, yeah. way and a hedging way about something that no one understands. Yeah, and the, and, and the dancing and the trickery she's had to go through. Get you there. is amazing. Uh, Kaiser Soze, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. However, what we have been presented with is a real-life playing out of this of the complexity of lived experience and intersectionality. Zurika's very existence in in AFLW as the only Muslim woman playing is a disruption on multiple levels, both within her own communities and the very white male AFL landscape. 
Okay. Uh, to make a 21-year-old woman of colour the lightning rod for yet another conversation about representation inclusivity is, is unreasonable and unfair. Uh, it seems Rika's But teammates... hang on, isn't that what they do all the time? How do you mean? Well, they, 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 they use people of colour all the time to, to push... Yes. Uh, inclusivity bullshit. No but, they, no, but they mean it in a good way. So if it's if it's positive and good, that's okay. But if it's negative and and like complex, then don't don't talk about it. Right. Uh, don't you know the rules? Mm, clearly not. Well, no. You sounds like you need to do that course. Again, some of the <laughs> yeah. courses that we've been doing. Uh, it seems Rika's teammates are willing to hold are willing to hold judgment. Okay. Do you know them? I don't think you do. Uh, understanding that they cannot comprehend her lived experience and trusting her. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So this writer, this author, thinks that some some chick from who who comes from Queensland, like rural Queensland, and plays footy now for GWS or whatever that um, they care about intersectionality and, and that, you know, lived experience and all that shit. Yeah. What, what an arrogant elitist attitude. Anyway, pub, perhaps as we, we, the public need to take her lead. So uh, I don't know if I can read on much more of this, but um, <laughs> basically uh, uh, the, 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 the long and short of it is th- this article, uh, which is amazing. This is an amazing what do we call it? Uh, sort of like a honors thesis. It's uh, it's propaganda. <laughs> it, should, it should be in Pravda. Like it's just <laughs> it's just straight propaganda. Like I find this sort of uh, yeah this sort of intellectually. Uh, but but she's trying to put a fire out. That's what yes, she's doing. Well, she is, and 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 look, I just don't I just don't like that kind of journalism. I just think it's. You know, and maybe that you know, there's a lot of people uh, nowadays who actually think that you know that's the sort of journalism we need. I just, in fact, I'm just looking here. Is this even labelled? Okay, now I can't clearly say see this actually hasn't been labelled as opinion. So, well, it clearly is. Well, yes, but I'm just letting you know that that it's under the sports section. So this is considered sports journalism to the to right. the to the to the guardian this is not considered editorial this reads like um yeah absolute 100 opinion you know backed up by very little data so I, I i'm very confused but they've gone a long a long way around I, I and i feel like uh this is intellectually dishonest you know there's a there's a there's there's a, i just think that um basically uh they don't like the problem with this with this intersectionality stuff is, is are these flashpoints. They don't like it when uh, the real world rears its ugly head. Now, but don't you think it's it's way more interesting and real that you know uh, Muslim people uh, by and large are socially conservative? Like, don't you think? I think that's so interesting. You know what I mean? And and the fact that the left is obsessed with them. Mm. and doesn't acknowledge their social conservatism yeah. is very weird because because if you're on the hard left like if you're Clementine Ford you're talking about like she did in her book like just like frigging off 15 times a day and like you know all sorts of mad shit about sex like you like you know what i mean like really mm. uh <laughs> what did they call it in the old days the permissive society <laughs> you know like the the left is 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 all about uh, all of that stuff now. Now, I and obviously they're all about intersectionality and LGBT, like you know, madness, like extremism or trans, uh, activist extremism, extremism, all that stuff. But 
their obsession with Islam and their complete rejection of like its basic tenets yeah. is so weird. And their infantilization of, of that entire population, mm. no matter where the fuck they live, is really weird. It is really weird. It, it is really weird. And, and the, only thing, the only reason I can see for it is that a lot of Muslim people uh, have brown skin. I guess so. That's that's all I can see, you know, because if 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 the majority of Muslim people uh, on the planet were white, then it, it, this would be a non-issue. Like they they wouldn't they wouldn't be about it at all. You know, they wouldn't be talking about strong Muslim. Well, the Guardian doesn't really give a shit about Serbia and all that, <laughs> and the Kurds and whatever. Like, it doesn't really care about. Like, you know, it, it really has a, a specific. Uh, population in mind and i just think that that they are these sorts of yeah these these articles are are so so bizarre and 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 so not reflective of real life like this is this isn't this is a really simple story like Mm. it's a simple story about uh, a new league that started up that is primarily filled with uh um lesbian women uh as far as i know there's no there's no um uh, trans players so it's just yes. primarily it, yet there's it's just lesbian women all playing there's a pride round that that is we're ha- we're having and one of the muslim players the first muslim player uh unlike the 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 uh in the afl basha hawley i'm sure he's played the pride round he didn't say he wasn't going to play this woman has said quite simply she doesn't want to play now I don't want to. I'm not inside her heart and mind. Now, now hang on. I, th- I think to get more specific, because she played the pride round last year, she doesn't want to wear the pride jersey. Okay, she doesn't want to wear the jersey, uh, and then subsequently she said, uh, "Okay, well, if you're gonna, uh, essentially, if you're gonna make me wear it, I'm not gonna play." Yep. Yeah. Okay. So she doesn't want to wear the jersey. So she's happy to, uh, like, it's just like with all the pronoun stuff. We're all happy to sit in the meeting, but when you ask us to put it on our email signature, <laughs> yeah. We don't want to do it. We yeah. don't want to do it. Yeah. Okay. So isn't that what she's done? Like yeah. she's she's essentially said, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. And yeah. like whatever the answer, it, it's either she, it's either her, or more frighteningly, she's afraid of uh, community backlash mm. uh, in a, in a in a community that is fucking hot about these issues. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a really, I don't think it's a complex story at all. Uh, and I think that the players that she um, let down um, would be very hurt uh, and that she sees them as subhuman. Um, and as I've said, uh, you know, I respect religion. I, I'm down for it. And, uh, you know, but in this particular case, in these, in these instances, moral relative, like you can be moral, morally relative, relativistic about, foreign countries because you know we don't live there and and you know you can sort of condemn them from afar but you can't really you know i just think it's different when it's in in the australian community and clearly we've actually had a referendum about this Mm, i said i'm not going to go over old ground but i've said doesn't her values don't represent community values uh and i've seen a lot of council documents and government documents that say you know that's not on Mm. like if you don't reflect the, the 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 you know the positive community values we have here in australia then you, you know you won't be punished for them in some fashion am i incorrect or not no i agree yeah now i i've got a little quote here you didn't quite get to this part but uh somewhere towards the end uh the article says is aflw which is rooted in white lesbian metro culture uh ready to open its doors to the rest of the community now i read that and i went what the fuck are you talking about you know 
if you can play, you're in, right? Sport is the is the ultimate meritocracy. You know, LeBron gets paid the most because he is the best. You know, and if a non-binary person or a person of color, you know, if they can't shoot, they don't make the team. It's simple. You well, know, if you can ball, you can ball. If and you can ball, you can ball. My 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 father-in-law, and look, if you're woke, you won't you won't agree with this this example because you'll say he's white and it, and it doesn't matter. But my father-in-law came from. Uh, hungry and couldn't speak the language when he was a, a boy, a little a little boy. And he, his parents sent him to school in Lederhausen and shit like that. And he just got like savaged, you know, like this was in the fucking 60s or whenever the fuck, 50s or whatever. And um, basically uh, when he got a little bit older, he recognised early. I mean, he was he, he got into sport anyway, but he recognised that sport was his, was his way into the community. And he went hard in AFL and, um, and actually did really, really well, ended up playing for uh, one of the waffle teams in, in Perth mm-hmm. and uh, which is, which is quite something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it's uh, just the, for those who don't know, it's like just underneath the professional league. Yeah. Yeah. So he went all the, all the way, but he says that, that it, it absolutely was a, uh, a way in to, to the community. And back then Australia was, uh, you know, fairly openly racist, and and not just you know. I mean, and, and this because he he came, he came from Hungary, and they were just like you know calling him all sorts of names, and, mm. and it was quite. But he could ball, and um, he he's he became, uh, and he was totally included. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I feel like you know that statement. I love AFL rules football. I love sport. You know, like 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 you know, and I feel like it's these issues that um like the, the why when we, other people have said it we love sport because it it is it is inclusive and if you can ball you can ball we don't like it when you can't play then you're out of the team <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like but if you can play yeah then and that is how you win hearts and minds yeah you know? for sure yeah so this is a very frustrating story and um, yeah, I just think that in the end, it just it just reveals the intellectual dishonesty of some people mm. at the Guardian in the in the newspaper. Because if you could call it straight on issues like this, then we then people would be more likely to believe you most of the time. Like if mm. you could say, you know, some of the other shit you say, but then every now and then say, you know what, it's not okay. Like if I follow my logic through, which I believe. It's not okay that this person doesn't play. I think they shouldn't play at all. They should be fired. <laughs> you yeah. know? And you go, okay, well, at least you're and, being And what do you think? What do you think the ultimate uh conclusion is gonna be? Uh will this just sort of peter out to nothing? Or Too hard, but, you know, th- but if she plays next year and there will be another pride round, then then what happens? You know, and, and shortly, like I said, you know, there are a lot of lesbian people in this a lot of the lesbian women in this in this league, like like, are they going to come out and you know call for her to be sacked? Yeah, but like, in what? How many workplaces in Australia is it okay to openly express uh, discriminatory, you know, uh, speech or action uh, against LGBT people? That this is outrageous. Like this, like if you did this at a bank, if you were like, oh yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go to that work meeting. I'm not coming it's... tomorrow. It's Pride Day at work. I'm not coming. <laughs> I'm not coming. They would fucking, and rightly so, it'd be human rights violation shit. And we've made, we've, we've decided all this. And all of these, I've got no other word for it. All these pussies who run the AFL and whatever have totally sidestepped this issue when it would, it would, you know, these are the things we need those leaders to, to stand up and talk about. Like the leader of the AFL, Gil McLaughlin, if this, I feel like 
and the and the discrimination her discrimination is is clear but the discrimination against her the soft bigotry of low expectations against her is outrageous like the the head of the AFL that fucking guy if this was if this was a guy uh let, let's be honest if this was a white guy um that that person would be uh beyond cancelled they'd be vanished like and that and well, that but do you think this this particular case has opened the door for that you know no that 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 if it, if a white guy who plays in the in the men's league comes out and says i'm not going to play pride well it's a bad precedent because you know that person has every right to say you know how come it was okay for her and not okay for me you know so this is a mess and uh, uh and and i think it just does no one any favors and you know but as as fun as it was to read that 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 uh Absolute nonsense from the guy. <laughs> you know, what a load of bollocks. You know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, no news this week, uh, unfortunately. So Sheila will be back next week uh, for uh, the news flash. I know everyone's, uh, you know, very keen to have her back. I certainly am. Yes. Some great, great topics to come up. So nothing tonight, unfortunately. Uh, she's had a big move interstate. Mm, yes, she's getting herself set up uh, in Queensland. Yes, left the uh, um, authoritarian regime uh, of Victoria. Mm. And, and gotten out. So tonight we're going to roll straight on to our, our next topic. Barry Weiss, her Substack, Common Sense. Uh, she sent out an amazing Substack recently about Hollywood, uh, entitled Hollywood's New Rules. So uh, the synopsis is: the old boys' club is dead, but a new one with its own litmus test and landmines is rapidly replacing it. This is all going to end in a giant class action lawsuit. So this actually is written by two guys, Peter Kiefer and uh, Peter Sabodnik. What what uh, brave men! to have written this particular piece uh, and it could only have come out on something like Barry Weiss's Substack. So just to, just to keep it short and sweet, basically uh, it's an article about the best kept secret in Hollywood. So if you're wondering why something feels off when you sort of watch movies and series these days, you're right. Something's changed. And this article outlines Hollywood's new trendy obsession with diversity in, in quite a bit more detail uh, than you've seen. The narrative is, is this. So white men have ruled the roost and kept everyone out uh, uh, for a long time cut to 2015 and the academy of motion picture uh, arts and sciences so they're the ones who hand out the oscars uh, uh, and sort of set the tone in hollywood they they were shamed on twitter when it was perceived that there was not enough black representation amongst the winners hashtag oscars so white in the aftermath the academy creates a creepy list of uh, diversity quotas this is mad by the way this this list of quotas yes have you seen them I, I have read through them a little while ago, yeah, but it's like you, you need to have this many percent of, you know, read them to I've got some. So uh, it's from their, it's called Rays or something like that, R racial awareness and some, I don't know, some shit. <laughs> some, some shit. <laughs> Standard A, okay. This is to be, this is to be eligible for uh, presumably Best Picture or whatever, or even to be eligible for the Oscars in general. So on-screen on representation, themes and narratives. To achieve standard A, the film must meet one of the following criteria. A1, lead or significant supporting actors. 
At least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. Asian, Hispanic, slash Latinx. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do they know that Latin American people are not down with that term? They hate that term. They yeah, hate they that term. No, it's and that's another poll that was done recently. Uh, a significant proportion of uh, of Hispanic people despise that term. They think it's um, colonialism uh, is trying to take over their language. So, so black Af- slash African American, Indigenous slash Native American slash Alaskan Native. Middle Eastern slash North African, Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander, other underrepresented racial ethnicity. So, I mean, I, that last one is just, oh, yeah, and everyone else. <laughs> you know, like, so they've made. You know clear. what they should have said? Anyone that's not white. Yeah, well, that is kind of what they're saying. But, but, but I, I guess, you know, if you, if you come from Japan or something, you're just a bit like, why am I getting a, a mention or Korea or something? You're like, why, why, why? And they're just saying, oh, oh you are. It says underrepresented race or, or ethnicity. And isn't it going to be awkward? Like, let's just say, you know, because they've talked about the great browning of America and the idea that, you know, there's going to be more and more Hispanic population and whatnot uh, uh, as time goes on. Well, isn't that going to be a bit awkward when, the, when Hispanic people are bumped off this list? Like yeah. they're, they're going to be fucking pissed. So, <laughs> and there's so many of them coming across the border, you know. Well, you know, let's, let's not get into that. So A2, general ensemble cast. At least 30% of all actors in secondary and more minor roles are from at least two of the following underrepresented groups. So they've said that they're underrepresented, okay? So there is a rep- there's a representation that they want and it's not, it hasn't happened. So these are the people. Women, race, racial ethnic group, LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus people with cognitive or physical disabilities or who are deaf or hard of hearing. So 30%. What has that got to do with anything? Well, you, you would say that, you ableist pig. But 30% <laughs> no, of all actors hell. in secondary or minor roles. So if you've got the librarian and she doesn't speak in a scene, she should be deaf. Um, if you've got like, you know, there's a hooker on the street, um, she should be um, uh, a proud trans woman. Yeah. Then or, or in a wheelchair. You know, yeah, and in a wheelchair. And there's a cop. You've got a cop who's who's there at the beginning of Law and Order. Um, it should be like I don't know, like an uh, Indian woman in a sari, like a full sari. <laughs> so that's what they want. Anyway, <laughs> right. so A three main style main storyline slash subject matter. The main storyline, theme or narrative of the film. So this is this is the fucking content of the film. Uh, is centered on an unrepresented group, women, racial, ethnic group, LGBTQ+, people with cognitive or physical disabilities or who are hard or who are deaf or hard of hearing. So if you wanted to watch Dunkirk, um, then forget it, okay? Dunkirk and the Joker, they're out, all right? We don't care about that. So that's, that's, that's off. That's off the table. Also, American Beauty, that's off too. Uh, Fight Club, Dancing with Wolves. Pulp Fiction, Bridges of Madison County, they're all gone. Goodfellas is gone too, okay? Mm. So just, just getting you up to speed about that. Uh, anyway, now back to the, the synopsis. So any film that ignores these rules will not be eligible for Best Picture from 2024. Uh, now, who cares about this? Well, as I've said, the Oscars is actually part of the ecosystem that allows big, great movies to exist. So whether you like it or not, uh, it's like how we get Dances with Wolves and Malcolm X and and American Beauty. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. they set the tone, the agenda, and part of shooting for the Oscars is that, you know, you you let Leo, the fact that Leo's tried to get an Oscar for so long, we actually got a lot of great movies. 
mm. out of him trying to get an Oscar. Does he have so, an Oscar? Yeah, he, he has. He got one uh, a couple of years ago. Right. Um, whatever the fuck it was for, Wolf of Wall Street or whatever. So, or Revenant. Revenant. Yeah, and actually, Revenant was great. Yeah, so, that was good. So the fact that uh, people sort of, uh, all, all these incredible world-class artists get together and try and shoot for it is important. And we get, you know, these, these things. So that's why you should care. But basically, 2024 is the cutoff date, but producers and companies across the board have implemented this already. So it's not just movies, it's streamers, Netflix, all your, all your entertainment. So whatever you're watching, they've already done it, okay? They don't think that it hasn't happened. The situation is this. There's a new hierarchy uh, for hiring. Uh, that's been implemented. So with certain groups, uh, basically white heterosexual men um, and non-queer women, I would imagine too, uh, increasingly, uh, being excluded regardless of competence and or appropriate, appropriateness for their job uh, uh, in question. So um, it's only just starting to happen for women uh, and their, their woke jitsu move is to say that they're queer usually. Mm. So um, Yeah, well, we've seen that already. You know, you have that example of that, uh, that woman who calls herself queer, and she's, yes. got, oh, she's got a husband and kids, you know. I've got more, actually. Like, Katie knows this writer who um, who she worked with years ago, a really unlikable uh, little troll, but, um, basically, <laughs> but basically, you know, fairly middling in her talent. Uh, recently, she, she you know, uh, uh, came out as queer uh, in a big way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not quite certain she's fair dinkum about it. Like, you can right. tell when someone's fully behind it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I don't think she's fair dinkum. But anyway, she... Um, she came out and and her career's going great guns because mm. producers are saying um, we need a queer person in the room. She says, "Oh, me please," and they go, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." Even though she's been queer for thirty seconds. Anyway, so uh, anyone questioning this whole this new mean girl establishment that they've uh, created basically immediately has no no career in Hollywood. Mm. So one of the chill, further chilling effects of this. It's its effect on creativity and the types of stories we're seeing on screen. So basically, if you're in a room full of writers or writer's room on one of these shows, uh, you have no hand in choosing the writers anymore, usually. Uh, and, and because you're afraid of being labeled a phobe all the time uh, for anything you say after being after 10 hours in a room when you're all de- delirious and whatever, this sort of lack of trust creates a very unsafe atmosphere uh, where people can't really speak openly. Um, you can't even misspeak, really. And I have example, personal examples of that, uh, again, uh, where we know of someone who's, who's misspoken in a room and, and it, it, you know, it, got, it was big. It, got, it went huge. It was, it was all over. It almost um, got lawyers involved. HR was involved. And it was the, like the, the most fairly innocuous thing, which the person even apologized for. It wasn't anything massive. It was a very uh, unremarkable thing they said, but, but clumsy and, and it, 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 it spiraled. So basically that's what's going on. So we get very safe storytelling. We get inoffensive storytelling and, and also we get educational storytelling. So, cause everyone is trying to sort of outwoke each other. So, cause that's, and as I say this in the article, one of the only strategies you have is to be a little bit more woke than woke. And that's why, you know, you get these, uh, which, you know what, well, we were. I would call myself a progressive person. Obviously, I, I look forward to to a future better than better than today, and I want to fight for that. But you know, still, if we're dealing with creativity, if you're trying to create uh, these works, you can't. Uh, sometimes the world. Sometimes you need verisimilitude. You know, you need to be able to to represent the world as it is, and not not always an idealized. Sometimes idealized worlds are great. You know, and maybe like you know. Uh, uh, Dennis Haysbert's president in in 24 and and um, Morgan Freeman in Deep Impact maybe that did you know in some really strange way 
lay the lay the lay the the uh, hopeful groundwork for Obama all those years later. You know what I mean? But but having said that, sometimes you do need verisimilitude. You do need to say this is the world, like the wire. You need to say this is the world. This is the shitty world we live in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or this is the we're humans and we're we're capable of the good and the bad and all that yeah. other stuff. Well, so it'll also in terms of restricting the things that can that that, that can be made you, you know i mean you you want to place something in a historical context perhaps you know maybe it maybe it you know it, yeah it is it is dunkirk and it's set world war one and it's you know british army you know they're, they're all going to be white and they're all going to be guys you know because that's how it was you know so uh, are they going to make exceptions for historical dramas well or? no the, the woke jitsu move here is um because you've seen this, basically what you do is you get a bunch of sort of middle-aged, you know, men and women together, white men and women in, in a manner or something. And then you say from the producers of Downton Abbey, and it's basically called um, rich white assholes, like rich, rich white assholes and their, and their, and their BIPOC servants. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like that's that there's a whole range of shows. I've seen, yeah. these, I've seen these fucking posters all around town of this. And look, I'm sure they're great shows, but that seems to be the only way you can tell tell their stories now. <laughs> like, you know, where you where you're sort of constantly acknowledging that these people are rich assholes and that's terrible. So, but anyway, one last point. There's a this situation uh, has actually created a like corporate six well, woke corporate success story. So Ava DuVernay. Uh, she's created a sort of a bike BIPOC recruiting firm, which is dominating the industry because uh, you know, in, and good for her, I say capitalism wins again, but I, I feel like, you know, so when a producer who's forced into this situation by their, by the, you know, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, then they are going to say, well, actually, we actually literally have a quota. So they're going to call up um, over DuVernay's firm and get uh, people brought in. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, maybe that's good. Maybe that's, maybe, you know, whatever. It is what it, it just is what it is. So, well, it's spawned a whole new industry now, hasn't it? Well, it has, you know, and 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 uh, you know, uh, people who are, who love it would say, oh, we're just filling a need. We're just filling a need, and isn't it so great? And then other people would say, aren't you being a bit cynical and exploiting yeah, yeah. this situation? <laughs> isn't it really just all about money in the end? Yeah, yeah. And they say, well, well, no, 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 it's not. Well, you know, I can just imagine these hucksters going, all right, all right, I got two lesbians here. I got two. Who needs who needs lesbians? Who needs lesbians? Okay, oh, okay, I got two people of color. Two people of color. Who wants them? Who wants them? Who wants them? You know, it's going to be like a fucking auction. You know. Oh, that's delicious. Okay, <laughs> so, so anyway, um, you know. Uh, basically, you know, much of the stories we're witnessing now are very literal, they're very preachy, limited in, in imagination, uh, regardless of, of how fantasy-based they may be. They're very limited in their scope. Because, uh, you know, Alan Moore's talked about this, the idea that, like, Spider-Man, in a way, although it is about a man who, you know, was bitten by a spider, in the world it presents us with, it's so much less complex and scary as as something like Mulholland Drive you know in the world of, the world of uh, and the horror of what it means to be a human and to have all of our desires our dark desires and and all mixed up you know love and hate oh, the whole shebang is, is very scary none of that's in Harry Potter or Spider-Man you know so very limited imagination they're very safe as well so yeah uh and and or they're simply trying too hard to convince that they the filmmakers are caring and allies to modern orthodoxies and 
Look, and and, I, and the shame of it is, a lot of that is very noble, but is it is it particularly interesting? Like, will will you get? Uh, is a question. So rather than talk about the examples of of who's doing that, I think that's everyone's doing that today, pretty much. But you know, is this stuff as bold or as groundbreaking as you know the work of like Woody Allen, Tarantino, David Lynch, Cronenberg, Martin Scorsese, Robert Altman, David Fincher, whoever? You know what I mean? Like, really, honestly, what do you think? Like, could you make a modern fight club or my Holland drive pop fiction goodfellas no way no or way. even the fucking naked gun could you make the naked gun <laughs> i want them to make a new naked gun like you know i feel like like bold individual voices have been silenced and replaced by a committee basically so george lucas is out and the disney boardroom is in so mm. and which one of them gave us star wars which one of them you know which one of them is like turning star wars into possibly the most boring corporate video i've ever seen and, yeah. and which one was made from the passion, you know, and love of, of uh, rough and ready space operas and, and whatever. So, uh, you know, I think that um, creative committees by their nature are creatively conservative, you know, and the more stakeholders are in the room, the more anyone can say I'm offended, you know, and that's the product of, of today. And shame has become weaponized uh, and it's just being cynically used by certain people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But devil's advocate, you know, some people say this isn't happening, that it's a beat up, you know. I mean, do you think it's happening? Of course it's happening. You just have to see what they're making, you know. The people are turning away from it, though. I mean, I, I just hope that uh, that it hits them where it hurts the most, and that's the bottom line, you know. Yes. It hurts them financially to, to do this sort of stuff. Because there's, there's, so much, so much, there's so much content out there, so much old stuff that, uh, you know, you could spend a whole lifetime watching stuff you know that 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 didn't come out in the last few years, and you'd have a great time. That's what know? I do. I, I I I live in a monastery of the mind, so I I watch great old stuff. Like, and I'm not talking about what we do on side boob cinema, <laughs> which I enjoy. But if I want to watch some proper, I watch some you know some Kislowski or something. I'm not going to fucking like check out. You know, I mean, another one of the refrains these people say is, "What do you mean we don't have masterpieces today?" Because I'll reel off all the stuff I said, and they say, "Check out." And they'll insert some film or series that's inferior. They'll say like, "Sure." They'll say, "Come on, is the Deer Hunter or Kramer vs. Kramer really as good as Green Book or yeah. or Moonlight?" Now I've seen one of those two movies, Green, Green Book, <laughs> and I can tell you the answer. Um, I've seen Green Book. It's it's, it's it's no Kramer versus Kramer. No. I'll give you the tip. It you sucks. Know? Is it Apocalypse Now? No, it's not. So uh, that's what they say. Uh, and, you know, but Hollywood is amoral, as this says in this article, you know, essentially. It doesn't really have a moral morality. Money is its, its morality. That's right. And yeah. so this manifestation of white capitalism, like um, capitalist like companies or corporations have discovered that this sort of kind of shallow diversity wins status points and acts as a shield to protect the small group of people that hold the real power. So like if Disney, Disney really cared about racial equality, then they'd stop dealing with China. You know what I mean? Like mm, if they, yeah. Or they treat their workers, their workers of color better. You know what I mean? Like pay them but, but is it, but are they making more money going this way? Well, I don't know, actually. Like, you know, I, I mean, I feel I would, uh, my intuition is to say no, uh, but, you know, it needs to happen on a big scale, though. You know, I mean, because the whole industry's changed as well. Streaming has happened as well. Like, well, well, maybe, maybe that's why they've had to, uh, they've had to lean into China so much as a market, right? D don't you think? Because, because, you know, if 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 they were killing it in in the US, then then why would they need China so bad? Yeah, 
I guess so. I just feel like the the whole I, I'm romantic when it comes to this stuff, and I, I believe in the, the, those great golden ages of you know the 1930s and and, and the 1970s. 1970s is isn't is one of the greatest eras of of American filmmaking in particular. You know, it was when those individual voices took over and gave us all the great movies, and people went to see them because people say, "Oh, there's always been a lot of shit at the movies," and you say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But if you look in the 70s, like the top 10 in the 70s. Like, you know, it was like the Godfather and MASH and stuff. So people would turn out to see it. Like, yeah. you know, sure, the Towering Inferno was out as well, but there's a lot more Towering Inferno now than than the Godfather, that's for sure. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, I don't know, like, for the time being, I, I don't know, these writers, basically, they just have to be careful and smart and bide their time. And because we're living in a Stasi state, you, you know, but there's, there's going to have to be bodies, you know, people are going to have to get fired and, and that's happening. People are sort of, you know, getting over those tripwires i think trust is going to become a huge serious commodity in these rooms basically you know good work needs trust you know you need to trust your collaborators and it's really just going to become little clubhouses but let's hope the audience switch offs you know and i think that audience i think the independent work is the key you know hollywood ends up absorbing independent work anyway uh eventually but uh creatives and companies alike so new ones always required like so for example um the sundance what we call sundance movies now started because of independent people who made films outside hollywood and they sent them to you know sort of the sundance film festival and then sundance was sort of like totally co-opted by hollywood and now those big companies they all they did was make little companies that make their sundance movie Mm. because the sundance movies were so good because you know, and the Miramax movies as well, I suppose, because they they didn't seem bound by the same code. Yeah. Or, you know, the same clunky code. And it was just they were startups and they were able to move. They would be they were nimble and bold. And a lot of the work we're seeing now is very unrock and roll. And like Tarantino's talked about this, this, this era that we're living in now is a lot like the 50s, a very boring era in, in cinema. Like these series and these movies that are out now, fucking hell. We are gonna they it does remind me of the 50s, man. And I know I've seen a lot of 1950s movies. They are terrible. They are terrible. Like there's a there's 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 craft, a lot of craft, and you can you can make excuses for some people, Nicholas Ray and, and some good John Wayne Westons and stuff, but by and large, it's not as electric as as the work of the 30s or 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 the 70s, you know what I mean? Really exciting eras. It's because they were so conservative. And the films that they that they that they love now like that they think about are these social films, which I've railed about before, like fucking guess who's coming to dinner. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, Stanley Kramer is one of these filmmakers who did all these goddamn social pictures. And I, I hate those movies. They are so boring. They are just the most boring movies. In the Heat of the Night is fucking boring. Yeah. Sidney Poitier is wicked. And I've seen him in some other stuff, like Westerns and stuff, and you go, oh, man, he's so good. But the stuff he's known for, like those you know, in the heat of the night and guess who's coming to dinner can just fuck off. Yeah. It's just most boring filmmaking ever. And I, I just feel like, um, yeah, I don't know. I get passionate about this because it's, it's hitting you, hitting us right in the gut. Like, you know, and I, I, I didn't think that I was going to live to see such terrible. I thought the nineties and that was bad. I thought early noughts were bad. And I was like, yeah, man, I had no idea. Well, the nineties seem like, you know, rock and roll. But they do though. Like even shit that just, you know, you wouldn't have been thought about, like in the line of fire or single white female. Yes. Bridget Fonda or something. Yeah. You know, or the hand and rocks the cradle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's just like, but you think about that, like, like just a I think film like Fight Club, you just go, man, like that just 
is is generation defining in filmmaking. Yeah. You know, and you just now the idea that you would just never like Chuck Palahniuk, how like you've you've read his his books? I have, yeah. Yeah. Do you think um he's an artist that they that would be allowed to well how come fuck he's not cancelled? Well, his his books aren't cancelled, but but I don't know uh if many of them are being made into movies currently because there sure. was an exciting time you know where we we wanted train spotting we wanted fight club we wanted the edgy stuff we wanted stuff that 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 was transgressive and weird and why the fuck are we you know and maybe may, look maybe repressive eras are good because you get this sort of bubbling undergrowth of, of interesting work but yeah you know i just celebrate those times when those works were allowed to to burst in onto the mainstream for a second and then then recede mm-hmm. and we're living in and because I've, t- I've taught film to young people, uh, you know, in the past and the stuff that they, because of the streamers, if it's not on Netflix, it doesn't exist and stuff like that. Like basically that, that, that lack of access and, you know, uh, the lack of curiosity about, you know, this great stuff is really, really alarming. And that coupled with this, this, this basically this creepy manifesto that they put out. Yeah. Yeah, is is just, I mean, look, the audience ultimately is in charge, and they just need to turn off, mm. and then these people need to stop. And that's it. Someone needs to stand up in these meetings and say, you know what? We tried preaching to everyone, like every goddamn episode. We told them what's wrong with them. We told them they were bigots, and now they're bored of it. What do we do now? It's funny you mentioned Fight Club. Actually, I've been thinking about the movie a little bit because uh, because Meatloaf died. Ah, uh, yes, a few days ago. You know. Um, I felt like opening the show by by saying his name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> well, he's a he's a great talent, you know. Yes, yeah. Well, that's yeah. It's funny. Uh, totally different topic now. But when Bad Out of Hell two came out, like I I remember because uh, that was sort of my I was, I was in primary school, I guess when that when that came out, and I, I remember the big song, you know, I'd, I'd do anything for love and. I remember it being such a big hit, and 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 everyone had, everyone went out and got got it on tape or on on CD, and I just I don't know I just I didn't get my hands on it for some reason. It's weird. So I've actually been listening to it recently. Um, Wonderful. It's good. Well, that first album is just like is incredible. Like I mean, it's masterpiece. Masterpiece. It's it's too good. It's too good. Well, that's the show. I'm exhausted. Yeah, I know Hollywood gets you fired up. Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood. Now that should be our theme song whenever yeah. we have a bit of a uh, Hollywood-centric uh, theme. Yes. Well, uh, I think that's it for this week. Uh, I, I, I hope we have our a very exciting guest next week. We're chasing him up and uh, more about that uh, during the week. In the meantime, Ricky, we said what we said. Longer than you flesh. Longer than you flesh. Your last album was a load of cock and balls. Hollywood, Hollywood.